to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Amen. Thank you, guys. We and the worship team, we really appreciate that. All my life, you have been faithful. Friends, isn't it wonderful to know that God's goodness is chasing after us. His goodness is chasing after us. Uh, just, just thinking of that, singing that, and being able to worship through that, you know, where line upon line is built. And so often, you know, you, you find us repeating particular lines. And one of the key reasons we do that is so that we, we allow ourselves you know, the opportunity to begin to lay line upon line. Because each time, each time you sing, his goodness is running after. Something is reminded. God reminds us of something. What has he reminded you of today? Of his goodness that is really chasing after you. And I think that's, that's profound, that our God is good. He's so good. He's so good to, to you and I. Amen. Friends, if I can ask you to just bow your heads and just consider for a moment His goodness. You know, we've started the series on the Beatitudes. It says, blessed, ah, blessed. And the word blessed has within in itself, it doesn't mean entirely that, but has within in itself the byproduct of being happy. Happy is is he but it means it's further reaching and it's farther reaching from the, um, in 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 the context of being blessed it's it's farther reaching it's not just happy just allow god right right this very minute to come and remind you that you are blessed that you and i are blessed father we thank you that you will unveil to us that which you want to speak to us today lord father We believe we live in a day of miracles. So today, we are expecting a miracle. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Friends, uh, today is the second week in in the, the beatitude so today we're going to be touching on blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted and you know i i, I want to read you the uh, the beatitudes but as i read you these beatitudes before i read that there are some photos that i'd like to show you and these are photos that i took uh, in 2014 when my wife and i had the opportunity to go to israel and right at that site it is now called the church of beatitudes and so have you looked at it as you see, you look at the church and from the mountain and as it looks right, right down and you see the sea there and just an amazing sight. So imagine Jesus speaking to a multitude. Last week we heard about 10, 15,000 people there. Imagine that. So put yourself in that, in that place and hear him say this. So whilst, whilst you watch that, I want you to, uh, I'm going to read you this passage here. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will uh, be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. 
God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Amen. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are persecuted doing right. But today, we're going to be touching on verse 4. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, the sermon on the mount... Uh, found in found in Matthew chapter five is considered by by many, right, to be Jesus' most beloved and well-known message. Now, and this was pre- preceding that sermon was the special selection of the twelve men for the 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 twelve apostles, right? That would be personally trained to be witnesses of the Lord and to preach the gospel. You find that in Luke chapter six verses twelve right through twenty. But the first part. So the entry point of that is the open door to the Sermon of the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is this. It's the Beatitudes. It's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 12. And it's commonly referred to uh, as sometimes referred to as beautiful attitudes. So the word Beatitude, however, comes from the Latin meaning happy or blessed. Right? As such, the location where he gave his entire message is referred to as the Mount of Beatitudes. Right, the Mount of Beatitudes. I know as I was, as, as I was growing up, even, uh, even within the Catholic Church, you know, I used to, I was a server boy, and I used to love having these, these bookmarks of the Beatitudes. And, and I'd look at that, and I'd, I'd, I'd read that so many times. But, you know, in all honesty, I hadn't really understood that all well until recently as I, was, as, as I delved a whole lot more into this, this series. And in particular, this aspect, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, I've heard it in um, funerals. I've heard it. I've seen it in cards and all of that. And, and it's about, you know, the context of, you know, you lose someone and God... You know, his comfort is there, which, which happens. But in context, it actually means something else. And that's what I want to share with us this, this morning. So let me ask you, my friend, have you, have you mourned that is grieved or felt sorrow over something, right? Have you ever suffered? I'm sure many of us right now will be saying, oh, man, don't you think we are suffering right now with this COVID-19 in, in the state, stage of disaster? We can't go out. My, you know, my wife tells me, man, I can't even go out with you to Coles and shop. The both of us can't go out. You know, where ordinarily we would love to go and shop together and all of that. Now we can't. It's just one of us that will have to go. And, and you can't go beyond your five kilometer radius unless you have a working with, uh, uh, unless you have a work permit that allows you to do that. So there are so many things that probably you and I can more or less, you know, uh, feel that, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. I feel like as if I'm, I'm, I'm suffering, you know, in that sense. Now, have you lost someone, right? I've, you know, at the age of 16, I lost my dad. In my early 20s, I lost my oldest brother. You know, I lost my mom about six years ago. Uh, Christian and I, we lost, a, we, we, we lost a 12 week, I think it was 12 week old baby. Right, so I'm, I know what loss means, you know, in a sense that I've, I've experienced that. 
you may be experiencing that. You may have experienced that. We are living in a time where now we begin to hear of so many people passing away. Chadwick Boseman, you know, the Black Panther, just heard yesterday that he died at the age of 43 of cancer, four-year battle. You know, just a tragic aspect. I mean, it, it, just hearing that, you know, it really broke my heart. My, my, my daughter came up and said, Olivia said, Dad, do you know that, you know, Black Panther, you know, he, 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 he passed away. And so last night, you know, I don't know whether it was out of honor or respect for him, but we decided to watch the Black Panther and just to see him, gosh, you know, life is so unpredictable. And so when, when, we, when we lose someone, you know, we mourn for that. But what is the Lord now bringing to us? What is he talking about this aspect of blessed are those who mourn? For they shall be comforted. What do you think he Im- implies here? You know, we spoke, uh, we, we heard last week, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is, blessed are the impoverished, right? Spiritually bankrupt, a sense of depravity, right? Feeling that sense. It is saying that I can't really move on if not for God. I, I, I need God. There is an emptiness that I'm feeling. So friends, are you brokenhearted over your inadequacy to be genuinely good to others? Are you? Are we? Am I? Do you see how far you're from living the life described in the Bible? Right? Do you grieve that you are a prisoner of sin that dwells within you and I? That we feel bound. Right? That we're feeling a sense of being of being 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 bound, like we we feel we feel trapped, you know, in that sense. Now if you can answer yes. The good news is this, that you will be comforted because your godly sorrow will produce repentance, which leads to action, to obedience, and ultimately to salvation, the life that he now gives you. So the Beatitudes is, the, the, the Beatitudes is sometimes referred to as well, uh, as, as like a ladder, like, you know, Jacob's, Jacob's ladder. It helps us move upward and, and, and onward in the Lord. I've never seen it like that, but I'm, I'm really starting to see that it, man, it, it, makes, it makes a whole lot of sense because then now you might, you might realize why the first beatitude began with this, that it is about spiritual bankruptcy. It is about this depravity that I need to come to him in humility a want, a recognizing of self. And only then can we really experience this true life as a Christ follower. So how have we come to the Lord with, with, uh, with, with a smug sense of saying, okay, Lord, Jesus, I'll give you a chance. Prove to me. I'll try it out. I'll try this life out. Is that the way that the Lord is saying that we need to come to him? You know, we were given the Ten Commandments on a mountain. Mount Sinai, and we're given the Beatitudes in the New Testament on a mountain as well. But there is something different about this because there's a declaration of that you are blessed. You are blessed. It is an empowering, it is an empowering word, right? So if we are full of ourselves, we will not encounter in entirety what the Christian life is actually really all about, friends. How is God ever going to fill us if we feel that we are able and capable and we are full of ourselves? How is God going to fill us? 
What are we full of? So what is your disposition today? What is it? Now, the context in the Beatitudes is a, it's a promise that Jesus makes. Now, in particular in this, right, in verse 4, it says, I will comfort those who mourn. It is actually those who mourn what the loss of their innocence, their righteousness, their self-respect. That is, you grieve over your sin. That is what it is. That's, you know, we, we spoke, I mentioned about last week's aspect. It's the sense of depravity. This week, it's about gravity. What's the gravity? What's, what's that? Right? It is this, it is this, it's this, this ability and, and the desire to find comfort in him. But comfort in him after what? And that's what I want you, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. Right? So it is not the sorrow of bereavement. Not that, not that Christ can't comfort us, not that the Holy Spirit can never comfort us, but in this context, what it is saying, poor in spirit, humility, okay, now, blessed are those who mourn. So it's not about bereavement as such. It is about the sorrow of repentance. That is the reference here, right? Because this is the life that he is taking us into. And he wants us to understand now within, and within the within the context of us coming to know him. So he's, he's training the 12 now. Right at the start, he's saying, guys, this is what the Christian life is. These are the eight principles. And eight, interestingly, it's about new beginnings. Right? So it is. It will always remind us that as I begin to employ these eight principles, there is this new, new, new beginnings that he begins to give this new life within us. Right? So what does, let me ask you this question now. Friends, I've, I've posted in our, in our church uh, closed community, I've, I've put a study up there. Uh, it's a Word document, so you can download that. And there are several questions there. There are verses there for you to use it during the week. And I've also added a devotion by R.C. Sproul, uh, just a powerful devotion that you could read and, and uh, over the week and, and, and allow this, take this into, in, into your own private moments and begin to reflect on this, right? So... The question there, and I've asked that question in that study, what does this beatitude tell you about the heart of God? So what do you think is, is the heart of God in this context that he puts out to you? That God is more concerned about what is going on, what, what is going, sorry, not what is going on, what is going to keep you away from him. He knows that sin, that it is sin that will hold us back. It is sin, you know, many, many years ago when I was a youth pastor, I remember, um, um, uh, uh, a setting when I had a, a, a young person come to, come to me after a long while of not having come um, uh, having, not be, having, having not come to church for a long period of time and uh, eventually you know he felt to come back and he said that you know I felt so ashamed I sinned and felt so ashamed that I didn't want to you know come back. I didn't feel that I could face people. Now, how many of us? I know I feel that many a time. Even as I sit and preach right now, I feel sometimes ashamed of just, you know, you know what, what I allow myself to think, how I behave at times. 
you know, it, it, the, the, the Christian life is, it's, it's not a life where we beat ourselves up, but it's a life where we take accountability of. Being accountable. Being open to always being accountable. Being humble. Being poor in spirit. Being really humble. Coming to a place where we can say that, blessed are those who mourn. What am I mourning for? What am I really grieving and being really, really sorry for? Right? But I, I shared with this young, young boy. And I remember saying this, you know what? I felt a real loss when you, when, when you weren't around. I felt I really missed your relationship. And I feel that's, that's how God feels that we, when we pull ourselves away and we feel shameful. But God can take our disposition or our sin. He knows that because he sent Jesus to die for us. But what, but, but what he really, what, what agonizes within the Lord is the sense of fellowship that is lost because of sin. Because sin keeps us away from him. But again, good news is this, that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So our Father knows what it is that will keep us away from him. And that is why it is written in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 3. It says, sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. The reference here again is not, uh, it's, it's about being in a state where our heart is broken before the Lord, consistently broken before the Lord, not, not smug, not feeling, all, not feeling full of ourselves. So the Christian life, according to Jesus, you know, is not just all about joy and laughter. The truth is there are such things as Christian tears <laughs> that, that we cry and we cry. But there are very few of us that really weep over them. Do we weep over our mistakes, over our sin? Do we weep over fornication? Do we weep over adultery? Do we weep over divorce? Do we weep over abuse? Do we weep over, over theft, stealing, lying? Do we weep over any of that? What do we genuinely weep over, friends? Because it's sin. We must mourn for sin. As it is an act, there are three things I want to talk to you about this aspect of mourning. What do we mourn over? The first thing is that we must mourn, mourn for sin as it is an act of hostility and enmity against God. Right? Sin. In uh, Acts chapter 7, 51, it affronts and resists the Holy Spirit. See, sin is contrary to God's nature. God is holy. Sin is an Im impure thing. Sin is contrary to His will. Amen? If God be of one mind, then sin is of another. Right? The second aspect is this. We must mourn for sin as it is the highest friends the highest ingratitude against god ponder on that for a moment it's the highest ingratitude against god now julius caesar took it unkindly that his son brutus should stab him and this was his response and you my son and you my son the shock on his face Right. May not the Lord say to us these words, I have received in the house of my friend. These wounds I have received in the house of my friends in Zechariah 13 verse 6. 
Imagine how the Lord feels that when we sin, the pain and the agony, the hurt that he feels, the wound that he feels. The third aspect is this. We must mourn for sin as, as, as it, is a, it, is, it is a privation in a sense. It, it, it keeps us. I, I mentioned that earlier. It keeps good things. It deprives us. If I Maybe let me put it to you that way. It deprives us of good. It, it, it keeps the good things. It deprives, deprives us of the good things. Right? It hinders our communion with God. The mourning for the loss of God's favor is the best way, friends, to regain his favor. When we begin to mourn for his favor, where are you? We we hear David saying, Lord, my tears are my food. Where are you, Lord? Why are you so far away from me? Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me. If you've lost a friend, if you've lost a loved one, in all your weeping, will not bring him or her back again, right? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't weep, but what I'm trying to say is that all of that, it isn't going to bring that, that person back. But if you have lost God's presence, if you are away from God's presence, friends, all of your mourning, all of your weeping will regain that favor from God. It will regain that. It'll bring you into that place. It'll soften your heart. It will cause you to sense the goodness of God. It'll cause that to happen, right? Now, let me try and bring some, some, a little bit of deeper perspective to this that I, in the, in the past, have never actually really seen it like this. And it's, and it's interesting. It's written by a Jewish author regarding mourning. And he says this, there are just two or three aspects to this. I mean, this, this, you know, as I was looking at this, this, you know, can be broken up into actually several weeks. But I'm, I'm just going to try and fit this in, in into, I'm going to try and, and, and give you a con- concise message today, right? The first thing is this, that there is a carnal morning. And what does that mean? When we lament for outward losses. Now, here's, here's the example in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 18. He says, A cry of anguish is heard in Rama. A weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted. For they are dead. Now, there are... There are the abundance of these, and and he puts it this way, carnal tears that are being shed, right? We have many who can mourn over a dead child. But this is how he puts it. But they can't or we can't mourn over a crucified Savior. Have you mourned over a crucified Savior? Have you mourned over the crucified Christ? When Good Friday comes, year after year, have you ever mourned over that, over what Jesus did? When communion comes week after week, knowing very well what he did on the cross, have you and I mourned enough? There is... The, the, the second aspect is there is a diabolical mourning that is twofold. So when a man 
mourns that he cannot satisfy his impure lust. When you're mourning, oh gosh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could. This is like the devil now, whose greatest torture is that he can be no more wicked. Thus, Ammon moaned and was sick until he defiled his sister Tamar in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 2. Thus, Ahab mourned for Naboth's vineyard. So Ahab went home angry and sullen. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 4. Now, this is what we call devilish mourning. Right? He, he, can you imagine he's mourning for the fact that I can't, I, 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 I can't satisfy my lust, my lustful passion and desire. Now again, when men are sorry, there's, there's, there's this other, there, there is the second aspect to this diabolical moment, uh, mourning and it is this, when men are sorry for the good which they have done. <laughs> Interesting, you might, you might be wondering what... What does that mean? When men are sorry for the good which they have done, and we've seen this in the life of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was grieved that he had let the children of Israel go. He was grieved. So for the good that he did, he began to mourn, oh, why did I, why did I, why did I, why did I? I mean, we do that. Sometimes we help and then we say, oh, why did we help? Oh, that person deserves it. So the first object of spiritual mourning is sin and, that, and, and, and that's twofold. Our sin and the sin of others. Now our sin must have tears, friends. That's what this is about. So the first object of, of, of spiritual mourning, as I mentioned, is sin. And, and, and do we come to a place where when we repent, do we, do we have tears? Do we weep and weep and weep before our Lord? There is something powerful that happens there because it comes to a place where we empty of ourselves because it is in that space that we experience comfort. Your mourning will be replaced, it says here in Isaiah 61 verse, verse, verse 3. It says, your mourning will be replaced with the oil of joy and gladness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companion. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, by anointing you with the oil of joy. Right? I, I want us to look really quickly at what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 to 25. And he, and he writes this. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, the recognition of what Jesus can do. And, and, and that's, that's the point. So the Apostle Paul was mourning over his own sin when he wrote to the church in Rome. Now, what words and phrases throughout this passage highlight the struggle that Paul was experiencing? 
right? Paul was chosen by God to spread the gospel to the Roman Empire. He also wrote most of the New Testament. How could he still call himself wretched? Why do you think he, he used such a term? Now, this is, this is something I've put in your study for you to really dig deeper and to take that, to take it further. You know, most of us who are known as Christ followers are, are, are living really an, an outwardly respectable life. But why is it difficult, friends, to admit inner sin? Either to ourselves or to others. Why is it difficult? You know, Paul here gives us an example. I mean, he wrote 14 of the letters in the New Testament, right? 14 of the books. So Paul wrote about his inner struggle between, between, you know, what God desires and of him and what he personally desires, which is the sin that is at work in his body. What is working in you? What is operating in you? You know, those who lament, meaning are deep in sorrow to the extent of Christ, of their own sinfulness, will be comforted by the only comfort that can relieve their distress, namely the Father's forgiveness. So according, you know, to the Old Testament prophets, consolation was to be one of the Messiah's, one of Jesus' expertise. Christ does pour the oil into our wounds and speaks peace to our soul, to our scarred and often seared consciences. He comes and he begins to pour that oil, that oil of joy. Now, I want to end with this passage of scripture here from Psalms chapter 66. Psalms chapter 66. You know, I, 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 I saw, you know, when, when you're preaching online like this, it's so good. And whilst I have my phone, it is wonderful that I get messages from some of our church members saying, you're on point, you're this, you're that. So if you feel that, man, please put stuff on your, on, on, uh, on what do you call that? On our YouTube uh, chat, chats, or on our Facebook chats. Please do that because it really not only encourages us, but it encourages several others. Now, I'll, I'll, I want you to hear this from Psalm chapter 66 and what David, what David says. Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke, if I had not confessed my sin in my heart. I, the, the Lord, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw, or withdraw his unfailing love from me. Let me read the NIV. I, 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 I love how the NIV has put this largely because of the word that, that's been used. In verse 17 in particular, it says, in verse 17, I'm just going to read verse 17, and it says this, I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would have not listened to me. So friends, if I had cherished, the whole context, 
I, I, I've, you know, honestly, I've read, I've read through that passage of scripture, but it never hit home to me until now that if you cherish, what does cherish meaning you enjoy? If you cherish sin in your heart, it says here, the Lord would not have listened. So when we come to him, how much do we cherish sin? Have we really begun to look deep within ourselves, reflected on the point? And maybe that's why we sometimes find ourselves where we are. That we are not experiencing the abundant life. That we are not getting ahead with things. That we are not maybe prospering. It could be because sin is there that we cherish particular aspects. Friends, come to a place today. Come to a place today and begin to acknowledge what it is that you cherish. What sin that you and I cherish. Because we need to come and mourn over this. You know, Nehemiah, the last point here is this. Nehemiah, in, 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 in I believe Nehemiah chapter 1, I think, yeah, 1 verse 4. You'll not find that on our screen here, but let, let me read this. When I heard these things, right, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When I heard these things, in the ESV it says this, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And what is it in contact with? When he heard about the state of Jerusalem, about his city, right? You know, Jesus wept over the sins of others. We weep over our, over our sin. But we also need to weep over the sin of others. You heard a passage of scripture from 2 Chronicles being read today. That if my people humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, if we stand in the gap, God is going to come and heal. There is a responsibility, friends, that we have, not just for our own sin, but for the sin of others. That we begin to weep for others. That we begin to weep for our city. That we begin to weep for this thing, for, 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 for the need to have the stage of uh, of. of of what disaster or emergency being you know prolonged for another 12 months why because of the state of 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 covid and 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 of all of what is happening because of this because of this virus or because of whatever man's intentions are we need to come before we can just voice out our disagreement and our anger over over, over whether it is our local government whether it's our state government and whether it's our federal government firstly can we first come and weep before the lord for them can this be something that we do? Can that be the very first thing? You know, sometimes I have to turn my Facebook off because when I read some of the things that have been posted there, it, it grieves. I know we all pain. We all hurt. But what is our first, what's the very first thing that we do like Jesus did? He wept over the sins of others, over their bitter consequences in, in judgment and death. And over the unrepentant city that would not receive him. He wept over them. We should weep over the evil that's in our community in this world. As did the people in biblical times, friends. It is not only the sins of others that we, that we should rend our hearts. We should rend our hearts for the sin of others. I want us to take a few minutes. We're going to watch a video today. But I want you to take a few minutes right now. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to consider the aspect of you mourning over your sin. Over your lifestyle. Over the things that 
you and I have done, even I myself, right now, over some habitual things that we do, over the way we speak of others, and we call ourselves Christ followers, over vicarious anger that we take upon ourselves, doesn't really belong to us. Now, I also want us to think and reflect over the sin, over the sins of our city, of the state, of our nation. And do we grieve enough? Do we mourn enough? Do we cry enough? Do we keep crying enough and saying, God, heal, please heal, please heal. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Because it is at that point that you will discover the unfathomable, the unfathomable comfort. The divine comfort that comes. That can only come if we pull ourselves into that setting, friends, into that space. Think of the times that you've tried to conceal or deny your sins. And then the Lord brought you to the point of repentance. How did you experience mourning over sin, friends? And how did the Lord make his comfort known to you? You know, there was a time where I remember it was, this was in the late 90s. I had the opportunity to go to Pensacola to Brownsville. And there was this tremendous revival happening there. And I remember one night, in one of the services, I just was pulled into a place of deep repentance. It was like a wave that came. And I just cried and cried. And it was then another wave that came. And I cried and cried. And then another wave that came and I cried and cried. And you know, friends, when I came back to Melbourne, the Lord then led me into a 40-day fast because something profound and powerful happened because I experienced the comfort of the Lord. But I also experienced a grace to do something that was needed at that point in time in my life. What is that grace that He's releasing over you, that He's leading you into? Because He wants to comfort you. He wants to comfort you. But if you felt depraved, that depravity of being poor in spirit, Today comes the, the gravity of our mourning must lead us into, a, into this place of comfort. And that's what you're going to experience. And friends, earlier it was announced that churches all around Melbourne are praying. There is a call for prayer because of, of the much needed mourning that needs to happen, that we need to weep over our city. We need to we, we need to come together and pray. Not come together to fight, but come together to pray. Come in unity. So friends, we're going to play a video right now, and soon after that, it's about a six-minute video. And right at the end of that video, 
Brian, Kevin, and I, we're going to be here and we're going to be praying. We're going to take a few minutes and we're going to be praying for our city. We want you wherever you are. Whether you're in, in Melbourne, in Sydney, in Adelaide, in Australia, in England, in the States, wherever you are watching us today, pray. Pray for our, pray, pray for our nation. Pray for the city of Melbourne. Please, we urge you, pray for us. Pray for the borders to be open. That God will destroy this that's come upon us. Thank you, Lord.